Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross, Sat Managing Editor, FightfulMMA.com here. Go over to Fightful MMA, get all of your MMA news. Today, if you like boxing, you like wrestling too, we have Fightful.com that has all three. We have FightfulBoxing.com, FightfulWrestling.com. doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure those out. It's UFC 239 night, and it is officially Fightful's third birthday. Hey, wish us a happy birthday by smashing that like button. Tippy-tapping just a little on that subscribe button. And how about you visit FightfulMMA.com. Give us a follow at FightfulMMA and at Fightful. Without further ado, UFC 239. My God, there was some stuff that happened tonight, my friends. We're going to talk more about that stuff Tuesday on the Fightful MMA podcast with Showdown Joe Ferraro. We're there every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. So make sure you guys tune in. I always call it the most non-BS, the most no-BS MMA show there is. I'm not saying other shows are full of BS. I'm just saying we cut right through it all. Not worrying about burning bridges in the MMA world. <clears throat> Let's talk about this show. Julia Avila defeated Panny Kianzad. Uh, this was all uh, Julia Avila. This this was just hers. It was her UFC debut she had been finishing people with regularity outside of the UFC, and she didn't get that done tonight. But she had a very, very good performance against a name that a lot of people knew in Panny Kianzad. Now, Avila was heavily favored coming into this, a minus 250. So this wasn't that much of a surprise. But hey, to those that didn't know her name, maybe it was. She doesn't have any amateur losses. Her only pro loss was uh, via a hand injury early into a fight last year. So she takes home a big win. Now, a huge, huge upset on this show. Ismail Nardayev got beaten. He was a minus 570 over the four, plus 435 chance for encounter. Encounter the sizable underdog, won his second fight in a row after dropping his debut to Bilal Muhammad. But, I mean, after Nardayev beat Tractor Prezeris like that, this was a bit of a surprise to see unfold. I mean, one scorecard had it 30-27, one 29-28, one is 29-27. 
which I, I kind of like that because I like the discrepancy in scoring a little bit unless it's just completely ridiculous. But um, all things considered, I think that Chancer Encounter looked pretty good, especially considering the quality of his opponent. Uh, Joseph Boza mentioned that Julio was supposed to face Melissa Gatto. Yeah, not a ton of people probably knew that going in, though. Uh, so, I mean, this is a new name, and Panny wasn't exactly a new name to uh, UFC viewers, at least those that watch the, the fight past prelims with regularity. But I want to talk about a fight that actually matters. Edmund Shabazian, who was, again, a major favorite, a minus 570 over the plus 480 Jack Marshman. This was such a one-sided ass-whipping. These betting lines were very correct. <laughs> After a couple of extri- striking exchanges, Sebastian was able to take down Marshman, uses some good ground and pound, and taps him out with the quickness. Shabazian is 21 years old and is now 3-0 in the UFC and has another 40-second win on Contender Series. He's someone that really needs to be looked at as a possibly big name for the future, unless certain people uh, kind of mess that up. <laughs> Somebody says, no super chat, not on this channel for whatever reason. I'll uh, I'll look into that. But uh, yeah, uh, you all can just leave comments here. I'll probably read them. Shabazian looks good, man. And the thing is, you, you look at this and... You wonder, okay, where does he go next after he's won three in a row in UFC and he won a fight on Contender Series as well? I think, I I mean, I don't think you throw him into the fire right yet. He's still very, very young. He's not exactly facing top-notch talent thus far. Jack Marshman, tough dude, loses a lot. Charles Bird, a guy who's won about 66% of his fights. Darren Stewart's, uh, again, a tough guy who has won some UFC fights. Uh, but he's also lost a lot of UFC fights. Let's be real. Uh, Charles Bird, a guy that found success in Dana White's Contender Series and UFC. But nobody that's exactly a world beater right now. And Edmund Shabazian isn't necessarily a world beater right now. I don't want them to rush him. Let's build him up. Let's uh, Let's... Let's make things work. Reminder, guys, that you some of you may be wondering, hey, Sean, did you cover the uh, New Japan G1 Dallas tonight? No, I didn't. Warren Hayes did. Go check out on the Pro Wrestling channel uh, his review. Uh, it's uh, well worth your watch. I was able to check it out while I was watching the UFC shows tonight. <clears throat> Song Yadong stiffens Alejandro Perez. Perez had this great hot streak that had him winning like six straight fights until he ran into Stamen, and it'll take something special to put him back into the title picture after this fight. He'd done so well on tough and early in his UFC career, but this fight and the Stamen one, not hot for him. Yadong cracks Perez, finishes him, but Yadong has won four straight fights in the UFC and remains unbeaten there. So Song Yadong, as you look at things, he was a another pretty sizable favorite, a minus 225 against an Alejandro Perez, who, as I mentioned, this, this isn't a scrub we're talking about. This is a very good fighter who Song Yadong just beat the brakes off of. Just put out in pretty quick fashion, first round. 
So if you're the UFC and you're, you're breaking into that market, you got another 21-year-old Chinese fighter, 4-0 in the UFC. You want to put him on a card there. You want to put him high up on a card there. I want to see him against a top 15 guy. I'm not ready for a top 10 guy like some people are saying because of his age. I don't think a 21-year-old has a business facing a top 10 guy right now. So I would love to see something else. And I mean, he this is him fresh off a knee injury too. He was This fight was supposed to happen at UFC 235, Jones' last show. But uh, Song Yudong had that, that knee injury that, that forced this fight, I think, four months later. Yeah, it was supposed to happen in March. And he didn't, he didn't sell that at all. Number five, Claudia Gedalia defeated number 14, Randa Marcos. This is a Claudia Gedalia fight. Get into you with some perhaps interesting stats here. Claudia Gedalia has never won three straight fights in the UFC. She has only won two straight fights in the UFC one time. Other than that, it's been win-loss, win-loss, win-loss. Outside of the Courtney Casey, Carolina Kovalkovich fights after she lost her title fight, she has not won back-to-back fights. She got her title fight off of a split decision loss to Ioana and a win over Jessica Aguilar. One of her fights won throughout all this time. I think it's 10 fights in the UFC has been a finish. She had, gosh, I want to say eight finishes outside the UFC. Gadelia did enough to win this fight. She dominated it. It was what it was. This is Random Marcos uh, unable to get anything going, but there were no new wrinkles to Claudia Gadelia's game. There wasn't anything that I was looking at and saying, man, you know what? After she lost to Jessica Andrade a couple years ago, even though it was fight of the night, I want to see that fight again. No. And I don't know what a finish over Carolina Kovalkovich means anymore. I know what it meant in 2017, and it sure as hell meant a lot more than it does now. Nothing about this fight really stood out to me. The same could not be said as Marlon Vera defeated Hernandez via submission, rear naked choke, round two. This first round was a whole lot of fun, man. Whole lot of fun. Vera applied several submissions on the ground. The chain was particularly great. He went from armbar to a bicep crusher, almost to a triangle choke, but Hernandez was throwing some nice ground and pound there. In round two, Vera straight up just landed a running knee. It flat, I don't want to say flattened Hernandez, but knocked Hernandez down enough for Vera to capitalize and get a rear naked choke. This was a really great finish. And in my mind, it's time for a top 10 for Vera, but let's break down that finish again. Marlon, <laughs> like, Marlon beat this guy the way that he was supposed to. Short notice fight, ran into a little bit of trouble, wasn't as easy as he probably thought it would be. I don't know if he thought it would be, as I thought it would be. <laughs> Marlon Vera, the minus 470 over the plus 375. By the way, Gedalia was a minus 200 against Marcos, the plus 170. But 
that those that chain of submissions where Vera went for the bicep crusher. I admire that. You don't see a lot of bicep crushers in uh, MMA fights even attempted, much less working out. So the fact that he went for one, hey, if you're going to fight a guy like this that you're supposed to beat and you're supposed to beat pretty handedly, do something flashy, do something special, do something that stands out. He didn't get it, but hey, his finish worked out. A running knee that landed, it looked like he landed more to the chest and kind of knocked Hernandez down. Vera was able to latch to Hernandez's back, sink in that rear naked choke. This was really good. Now, something you all might not know about Vera. Vera is the first UFC Bantamweight to win four fights in a row via finish. 26 years old. UFC's got to push this guy. And I mean, this is this is a guy who was losing as of last year. He got beat by John Lineker. He got beat by Douglas Andrade over a four-month period. But even before that, I think he had... He'd been in the UFC for a while. He's been in the UFC since I think he was 21. It didn't start off so hot for him. I think he was 4-4. Four and four, uh, But he had a great streak. He beat Brian Kelleher. He beat Brad Pickett. He beat some good guys. But now, in the past year, 11 months, 11 months, he's really put it together. Four finishes in 11 months. Not only that. He just had a bad streak, too. He was supposed to fight Sean O'Malley, and O'Malley got flagged by the NSAC, and uh, he fell ill before he was supposed to fight Frankie Signs, and then they, they rescheduled that for a few weeks later. Uh, and, and that fight was originally supposed to be Thomas Almeida. I'm ready to see what goes on with Marlon Vera next because he has earned a top 15 opponent. He's ready for it. I'm ready for it. By the way, guys, follow along at Fightful MMA on Twitter. We have Jeremy Lambert live tweeting the post-show press conference. So uh, make sure you guys check that out as well. I will be giving you a little rundown towards the end of this show. Arnold Allen beat the brakes off of Gilbert Melendez. So, If you say Arnold Allen deserves a top 15 fight, in the UFC's eyes, this is a top 15 fight. Even though Gilbert Melendez had no business being in there without Arnold Allen, and I'm not disrespecting Gilbert Melendez as an athlete. He just, come on. Arnold Allen was 5-0 going into this fight. Gilbert Melendez is now 1-6 in the UFC. One in six. He hasn't won a fight since 2013. Man, he hasn't fought twice in a year since then. He hadn't fought in almost two years. It was 22 months. Now, the best I can say for Melendez is he doesn't get knocked down. He doesn't get knocked out. He doesn't get finished with strikes. He has never been finished via strikes. The only person to even finish him is Anthony Pettis. And that was well before it looked like Melendez was at the end of his leash. Now, I I can't pretend like I've got the insight on Gilbert Melendez's contract, but it sure as hell seems like a no-cut contract to me. Because I cannot see the benefit in the UFC setting up this six-figure earning former champion to get knocked down when he could be over in Bellator doing something else, getting beat up by a Pitbull brother or something. 
And I respect Melendez as an analyst and as an athlete, but man, Arnold Allen was just piecing him up. But man, Melendez is a tough, tough dude. <clears throat> Arnold Allen needs to be put in there with some of the top names in the featherweight division. That's the way to go. Nothing else. Not another legend. Not some guy on on a European show that he's, he's going to knock over. He's 6-0 in the UFC. Melendez's best years weren't even at 145. Has he even won a 145-pound fight? God, I don't think so. Not, I mean, not in this decade. I'm pretty sure his last featherweight wins were in like Shuto. I mean, I know he fought there early in his career. But this ain't it. This is not it anymore. No. I'd like to see Arnold Allen against uh, Jeremy Stevens, Calvin Qatar, Korean Zombie, any of those guys. Uh, not Ricardo Lamas. Ricardo Lamas loses too much these days. <clears throat> Big shout out to Joseph Boza for uh, unleashing some nice stats and facts. I, I do a stats piece for the pay-per-view, so check that out. Michael Chiesa straight up jobbed out Diego Sanchez. I'm worried about Diego Sanchez. Man's an adult. He's an excellent fighter. He did not look like a guy that needed to retire. So I don't want, I don't, I'm not here for that talk. But his behavior leading up to the fight was that of someone who needed to retire. Did Sanchez get beat easily in this fight? Yeah. Is he 37? Yeah. But it was the promos he was cutting. Him having one corner man who didn't have any experience. That was weird. <clears throat> Diego's a smarter guy than this. And he's got a long leash in the UFC. I don't I don't see an end in sight. Unless he loses his net. He's got three more lives, essentially. He's never lost three fights in a row. So I, I think even once he's lost three in a row, they'll probably still give him the leash to lose four in a row. And if he manages one win during that period, I see that resetting his clock and him being able to come right back. I would compare it to Ross Pearson. Guy who would never win two fights in a row, lose two fights in a row, none of that. But it wasn't until this last streak where he went like one and six. And then he was like, ah, let's hang it up. Diego doesn't want to hang it up. He feels like he's a young man. I understand he had a falling out with Jackson Wink, but man, I hope somebody that cares about Diego Sanchez, and I mean, hey, as, as a journalist, as a media member, I care about Diego Sanchez. I want him to be okay. Somebody in his personal life should reach out to him and say, hey, man, I care about you. What's going on? Somebody from Jackson should do it. <clears throat> Maybe Cerrone should do it since he parted with Jackson. Just somebody, a friend. My God. Kiesa looked great. Kiesa looked like a big welterweight. He knew it was stupid to cut to, to lightweight. There are a lot of fighters that are seeing how stupid it is to cut so much weight, and I love it. 
Chiesa was able to uh, stop a quick t- – not really stop. Diego Sanchez took him down. But Chiesa had some really great switches and sweeps, and Chiesa applies a rear naked choke and elbowed the hell out of Diego Sanchez. Looked really, really good. Very awesome stuff. Diego almost hit a helicopter sweep at one point, but uh, the rest of the fight pretty much goes the same way. Diego got no help from his corner. This is a bad idea from Diego. He had nice scrambling ability. That's all I'll say for him. Jan Blahovich, number six, defeated the former number number three middleweight, Luke Rockhold. He's been removed from the rankings. KT. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. F-O'd. Oh, boy. And this set a streak of them. Luke Rockhold was wearing a shin sleeve through some heavy kicks, but Blahovich was able to score some strikes upon the separation. And at the end of the the first round, it was after the bell. You can say that Jan threw it as the bell was ringing, and I could see that. But Blahovich threw a head kick that staggered Rockhold, and Rockhold was never quite the same. It was nasty. Herb Dean said it was initiated at the bell, but either way, Rockhold was wobbled, came out aggressive in round two. But that whole being off for a year and a half and still asking for title shots thing didn't work. Blahovich flattened Rockhold. Flattened him. And for everybody saying that this was a joke of a fight, saying that this wasn't a competitive fight, didn't know who the hell Jan Blahovich was. Now you do. You got to put some respect on that man's name. And he had earned it before this. Is he a top-of-the-line championship-level fighter? No, I don't see it. I, I really don't see it. But do I see Blahovich as wor- of worthy of fighting a guy who has won one fight since 2016? you damn right I do. Now he's won... Five out of his last six. He beat that jobber Krylov. He beat Jimmy Manoa. He beat Jared Cannonier, a pretty good fighter. Had three performance of the night bonuses along the way and probably should have should get one tonight, but who knows with the way that this card went. This guy has some real good wins. Goran Relic was, was a decent win, but Ilar Latifi, when he made his UFC debut, was a good one. He's got some good wins. He, Outside of maybe that KSW run, I would say this is the best of Blahovich's career. But granted, you know, when I say that KSW run, that's because he was light heavyweight champion. He was their big guy. He avenged that loss to Sokaju and then beat like some familiar UFC names like Mario Miranda, Alexander Relic. But he wasn't finishing those guys. He finished Devin Clark. He finished Nikita Krylov. He finished Luke Rockhold. Joseph Farley says Jan did get a performance of the night bonus. Vinny Fernando says, what about Jan versus Reyes? I love that. I love that idea. Why not Jan versus Reyes? 
I don't think Reyes has a fight scheduled yet. Um, I believe Glover is fighting Krylov. God bless Krylov. What the hell are you doing? What are you doing? Corey Anderson is out there. I know he wants a title shot. You got Anthony Smith out there. They haven't fought yet. Love the new blood in uh, the UFC light heavyweight division. Hey, and I hope Luke Rockhold comes back too. But if I pretended, if I thought, I, I, I would not be surprised to see Luke Rockhold either never fight again or not fight this year. So let's talk about one of the goddamnedest things I have ever seen. And God, I've probably covered and trained MMA for over a decade, and I have never seen anything quite like this. So, full disclosure. Longtime viewers of the Fightful MMA podcast know of a man named Nikita Krylov, friend. That's my good friend, Corey Cropper. He came over. He enjoyed the fights with me tonight while I did some work. As the intros for Ben Askren versus Masvidal start, I go take a piss. All right, end. They're ending. Masvidal's having his name read. I go take a piss. I come back and jokingly, sarcastically say, Masvidal knock his ass out yet? And I re-enter the room and see Askren laying on the ground. Stiff as a dick on Blue Chew. Just, poor guy. Glad he's okay. This was the most unbelievable knockout I think I've ever seen in MMA, all things considered. All And I've seen a lot of them. And hey, it's a subjective thing. Don't, don't crap on me too hard, please. Masvidal ran full force across this cage and flying knees aspirin. So pro wrestling fans, you might understand this. Goldberg, Steve Austin dream match. When I was a little 12-year-old, I would play with my action figures and I would have the dream match and I would have Goldberg go for the spear as Austin goes for the Fez press, but Austin's knee would catch Goldberg in the head and knock him out cold. Played out just like this. It is possible. Masvidal wasn't going for a Fez press, though. He was going for a flying knee. Askren hesitated. I didn't hesitate. He shot for a takedown midair. Ate it. That's it. What more is there to break down? Whoo, boy. As we say here on the Fightful May podcast, that'll do it. Masvidal's fight, or post-fight interview, was stuff of legend. Joe Rogan says, Masvidal, why'd you go for a flying knee? And Masvidal says, because he's a bum. Okay. Wow. So now, I thought that this fight, I thought that the Covington fight against Lawler, or whatever, yeah, I thought I thought that those two were basically like fights to say, okay, whoever impresses gets Kamaru Usman. I'm sorry, Colby. I don't know what Colby Covington could do to be more impressive than this. I don't know what you could do. How could you possibly... Short of short of turning into Scott fucking Summers from the X-Men and shooting lasers from your eyes, 
and cutting Robbie Lawler in half, what can Colby Covington possibly do to impress Dana White more than what Masvidal did here? There's nothing. The title shot's going to Masvidal. Should it? No, I think Colby Covington should probably get that title shot. He's earned it. I would not hate to see the fight that made a lot of sense before this. Masvidal versus Edwards. I think this fight should have been Masvidal versus Edwards. Meanwhile, I think it should have been Covington versus Usman. Meanwhile, I think it should have been Askren versus Lawler too. Now, the beauty of this is, assuming that Askren fights again, he ain't a spring chicken, my friends. Assuming that he fights again after this, and Askren's a winner. I don't think he wants to go out like this. I don't think he wants to go out and seem like a front runner. You can call him a troll. You can call him whatever you want. You can, you can always call him a winner because he is a winner. Not tonight, but usually. I would run back Lawler versus Askren no matter what. Because if Lawler beats Covington in, what, th- four weeks – then that's Lawler's first win since 2017. And he's like two and two in his last four, two and three in his last five. He doesn't deserve a title shot. He doesn't deserve a fight with Covington. I would have rather Covington fought Leon Edwards. Lawler just doesn't fit into this title picture. But if you're booking this as a tune-up fight, so to speak, to keep Covington ready for a title shot or a big fight, I'm okay with that. But... Robbie Lawler ain't nobody's tune-up fight. I would love to see Askren versus Lawler. I would love to see Covington versus Usman, because that's the fight that should happen. But it's probably going to be Masvidal versus Usman. And after this, after this, can I blame the UFC if they went to Masvidal? No, I would understand it. I would understand it. Now, hey, Masvidal did just, like, he's 2-2 two and two in his last four. But he's coming off of the fastest knockout in UFC history. And he's coming off a fight with Darren Teal, which was performance of the night, fight of the night. He's beaten Donald Cerrone. He's beaten some good names. But, hey, <clears throat> my God. My God. My God is what I'll say about Amanda Nunes, the greatest female fighter in MMA history. Although I do believe that Valentina Shevchenko has something to say about that. But Amanda Nunes is without doubt the most decorated woman in UFC history, women's MMA history. She's better than Ronda Rousey. She beat her. She's better than Chris Cyborg. She beat her. She on paper is better than Valentina Shevchenko. She beat her twice. She's beaten former... UFC flyweight, every bantamweight, and every featherweight champion. She's beaten every Bellator featherweight champion. Uh, Amanda Nunes landed a really quick trip on Holly Holm. Holm got up, landed some short punches on the way. I was worried that that when Nunes took on Holm, that Nunes maybe wouldn't be able to implement her low kick. She did. But a head kick dropped home, and Nunes followed up with strikes to put home away. Uh, she's now beaten every 
single UFC bantamweight and featherweight champion. She is the greatest of all time. There is no disputing it. Now, Nikita Krylov fan was over here, and he's like, ah, that division's done. I don't think so. One, Amanda Nunes wants to defend her title, and if Felicia Spencer beats Chris Cyborg, that'll happen. For sure. Uh, I know that Kat Zingano defeated Beatable, but if I were Kat Zingano, I'd be more worried about winning fights than tweeting. Because you know how you don't get fights? Winning one fight since 2015. Going one and four. Kat Zingano doesn't win fights. She beat Marion Renault. Other than that, she does not win fights. So you can say Amanda Nunes, beatable. Well, yeah, sure. You beat her in 2014. It's been five years. Five years. Or Alexis Davis and Sarah Delalio and who the hell is that? Anna Maria India tweeting beatable? Yeah, probably somewhere. But I mean, Sarah Delilio ain't fought in two years and she's got more wins since 2014 than Kat Zingano. She's got four of them. A woman who is 11 and 7 has four more wins since Nunez versus Zingano than Zingano does. Cool. Go win some fights, Kat. You'll probably get the fight. All you got to do is win one or two, especially at featherweight. Damn, man. <clears throat> Win fights. Amanda Nunes is the GOAT, man. She is the best. The best. You also have Caitlin Vieira there. You have Aspen Ladd there. You have some names that are emerging. Let's talk about the main event. <clears throat> John Jones, split decision win over Tiago Santos. I actually had this 48-47 Santos, but hey, man, I get it. If you listen to commentary, you would assume that Santos's leg was just obliterated. Obliterated. I didn't think so. Santos uh, won on about 20% of media scorecards, but how about this? 62% of fan scorecards. Pardon. I had rounds one, two, and five going to Santos. Uh, Both men found success with kicks early on, but I didn't think that Santos fighting on the outside was a great idea. He met his most of his success with some leg kicks, some inside leg kicks, and when he rushed in and made John Jones uncomfortable. And I don't know if you guys have noticed, but that's what you got to do. However, far be it from me to criticize Tiago Santos's game plan because. At least statistically, Tiago Santos is the most successful person against John Jones ever. He's the first man to win a scorecard off of John Jones. <clears throat> Tiago Santos proved that he belonged at UFC 239. Uh, Santos did look like he hurt himself. He got wild and aggressive when Jones came in and tried to capitalize, so I like that. And I mean, Santos is a 35-year-old guy. <clears throat> Again, not a youngin. But he landed some good punches. I had him winning that first round. 
And just because somebody's on one leg doesn't mean you can write him off. Robert Whitaker won a title on one leg. Uh, Jones landed a really good body kick that caught Santos at just the right time to take him down to the ground. But it was really curious to me that John Jones didn't wrestle at all. Throughout all this, like he had times where he could have just laid, not laid, but really took top control. I thought he did very well. Somebody says, does Santos just kind of have John's number? Is he a legit top five light heavyweight? I think he's a legit top five light heavyweight. Look at who he's beaten. He beat Anthony Smith, even though it was at middleweight. Anthony Smith is a legit light heavyweight. He beat Eric Anders, who is a low-level light heavyweight, but a good one nonetheless. Jimmy Manoa put him away. But Jan Blahovich, I look at him hanging with John Jones, beating Jan Blahovich, and beating Anthony Smith, even though it was at middleweight. I put stock into that. Next, I would love to see him get a 205-pound fight with David Branch and see if he can't avenge that, if you want to kind of just put him back into the fold. But hey, Dave Branch has lost two straight fights, so I understand if you don't want to. I'm interested to see how you guys scored this fight. Scorecards all over the place. Uh, I I can't be talked out of the idea of John Jones uh, perhaps winning that fight. It was a very close fight. A very close fight. Somebody says he won that title. Sean, if Yoel made weight, he would have got the nod. That is one of the weirdest comments I've ever seen. Somebody making the weight doesn't affect them on the scorecards. Uh, Robert Whitaker won that fight. Robert Whitaker beat Yoel Romero twice. I don't know what in the hell you're talking about. No offense, not trying to shit on you or anything. It's just Robert Whitaker won both of those fights and came back in pretty impressive, spectacular fashion to do that. Let's take a look at uh, what's going on in the presser. Masvidal says that Askren fell for the bait. He thought it was going to be a three-piece. He got the whole MGM Grand Buffet to the face. says that Askren doesn't have ethics or guidelines. We're talking about their gym session from years ago. Says Askren only held him down in the gym. Says his face is a magnet to crotches. There's a heavy price to pay for that. This crotch ain't for dudes. The rumors say I was in a fight, but I wasn't. Masvidal wants a title fight ASAP. Wanted to bust up Askren and make him piss blood. Says the extra punches were necessary because the ref had not pulled him off. Says anyone criticizing him should go back to watching soccer. Damn. Jan Blahovich says that his uh, best fight is yet to come, or his biggest win is yet to come, and he scored the fight for John Jones. Damn. That's UFC 239, guys. Uh, so this is Fightful's 30 or third birthday. Hopefully we get to 30, but man, it's been a hell of a time, guys. Uh, I appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Marty, I see what you mean about the Romero-Whitaker second fight. Yeah, I could see that. I thought it was closer to a draw than anything. But yeah, I could see that. I thought you meant the first fight. No, Robert Whitaker beat Yoel Romero that first time. Next week, we have uh, another big UFC show. We have a Bellator show. We will preview that every Tuesday. Or we'll preview it this Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, on the Fightful MMA podcast. But we're here every Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. 
We're talking to Showdown Joe. Uh, also, Nate Diaz, Habib Nurmagomedov nearly brawled. Did you all see that? Who sits them near each other? Who sits Ali anywhere? Ali's going to stir up shit all the time. My God. My God. Dana White says if you scored it for Santos, you'd never score a fight again. Well, lucky for him, I'm not going to be a judge. But I will keep talking about UFC fights on this channel. Subscribe, like, thumbs up. Thank you guys so much. We're out. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.